Welcome to the Hollywood in Toto podcast, the right take on entertainment. The hit cast offers a weekly look at Hollywood from a conservative point of view. Sick of media bias infecting Hollywood headlines? Tired of stars insulting your views? Hit has your back. Now, here's your host, Christian Toto. Welcome to episode 92 of the Hollywood and Toto podcast, The Right Take on Entertainment. This week we're speaking with comedian Michael Loftus. You know him from the Loftus Party, the stand-up stage, and now the Deplorables Comedy Tour. This might be my favorite interview in quite a while. This week's show is sponsored by Get Out, the upcoming reboot that's more woke than ever. You know, Hollywood is out in full force again as the midterm elections approach. Will it matter? Will it have an impact? I don't know for sure. After 2016, I know I officially retired my prediction cap, and I think a lot of other people should as well. Who could have seen that coming? Almost everybody was wrong. And today, the landscape, to me, is just too fluid. I can't make any solid claims. One thing is pretty clear, though. I don't think Hollywood's reign of hate is going to help Democrats on Election Day. And I think there's generally two factors that are going on right now when it comes to elections. Intensity and independence. Democrats are en fuego, as they say. Conservatives following Kavanaugh Gate might be just as on fire, too. Will independents swing left thanks to Hollywood, though? It's inconceivable, to quote a classic 80s film. You know, recently I asked the Oath director, Ike Barinholtz, about this. He wasn't a fan of the whole rage thing that's going on with his fellow celebrities regarding Trump and the age of Trump and GOP. He also said he doesn't think Hollywood's going to hurt itself by getting so darn angry. Well, I don't think that's the issue. The bottom line, though, is that independents are not going to be swayed by thousands of celebrities saying all sorts of horrible things about Trump, calling him Hitler, flipping him the bird, cursing him from major stages. I think it could actually turn some away. Ironically, who's riding to the rescue of Hollywood? Jennifer Lawrence. You know, when she took a political turn a year or two ago, it was just the usual bombastic rhetoric, arguments that didn't make a heck of a lot of sense. You know, what we usually expect from Hollywood these days, unfortunately. But more recently, she's had a change of heart. Jennifer Lawrence cut a video for Colorado aimed at Coloradans talking about a new effort to stop gerrymandering. The clip itself isn't cutesy. It isn't angry. It isn't coy. She's wearing makeup. And she's not doing that ridiculous thing where she says the same phrase over and over again. It's actually the opposite of all the PSAs we've seen from Hollywood recently. And you know what? It's pretty darn good. You could agree or disagree, but it's an effective way to spread the message and use her beauty and her celebrity to change a heart or mind or two. Maybe it'll work. The irony here is that Hollywood, if they followed her example, could really change some hearts and minds. If you had the best of the best lining up and doing these PSAs and speaking calmly, talking to the audience, not name-dropping, not attacking other people, not just being unhinged in their rhetoric, people might actually start to listen. Jennifer Lawrence could start a trend here, but I'm betting when it comes to the upcoming 2020 presidential elections, they're going to ignore her completely. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to my daddy's podcast. Here's the hit tweet of the week. (laughs) 
This was a very bad week for Hollywood tweets, I have to say. So finding just one unhinged example, it wasn't easy. Take a bow, Jason Alexander. Did the president actually say that the media is responsible for inspiring this bomber to kill Trump critics? Folks, I'm sorry. The president is a disgraceful subhuman. Those who support his behavior, his words have something fundamentally wrong with them. No excuse for Trump. You know, today's actors can't stop insulting their audiences, but then again, when was the last time Jason had an audience? You shield my head in the day of battle. Amen? Amen. Based on the true story of an army chaplain and his wife. I only stand before you today because Jesus is my rock and because I have a family who loves and believes in me. One marriage, one family under God. It made me uh, appreciate family more. The theme of redemption was just so powerful. If that couple can find hope, I think we all can. Indivisible, rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. In theaters October 26th. For tickets and showtimes, go to indivisiblemovie.com. My hit tip of the week starts with an apology. Last time around, I recommended Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. It was a really good film. A little spotty at times, but some big, big laughs. I don't take back my kind words about it. But it turns out the classic comedy isn't on Netflix like I said it was. The title that I saw was Monty Python's The Meaning of Live, a concert film. Ah, so my apologies. This week's recommendation, I swear, is on Netflix. It's Adam Sandler, 100% Fresh. It's a new stand-up comedy special from a guy who, more often than not, just phones in his movie comedies. Jack and Jill? Just go with it? Ah, absolutely brutal. I hate those movies. Lazy as can be and just absolutely laugh-free as well. Not this. The new special has Sandler laughing and singing and telling goofy jokes from a variety of stages, both large and small. It's funny, it's sweet, it's R-rated for sure, lots of profanity here, but there's something really genuinely sincere about the entire effort. It's all served up with wit and humor and heart, and I laughed a lot. My personal highlight, Sandler gives us a tribute to Chris Farley in song. I gotta say, it was really beautiful. And you know, it's the kind of thing where Yes, it's his old friend. Yes, he misses him for sure. And you know he's going to stir up those emotions. But it's the examples that he brings up in the song. It's the way he digs beyond the obvious and really uncovers some beautiful smaller moments that makes his song really kind of stand out. He also follows that up with the song about his wife, about how he's happily married and how he cares so deeply about her. How often do you hear comedians talk about that in any capacity? You know, this could be sticky. It could be sentimental. It could be another example of comedians getting too darn serious. Not here. Sandler really nails those songs, and he's just plain funny the rest of the time. And yes, this Netflix comedy special is on the streaming service right now. Honest. You're listening to the Hollywood in Toto podcast, the right take on entertainment. Now let's get to this week's HitCast interview. I have to confess, I love interviewing comedians on the show. I do it all the time. I'm going to have some more lined up soon. I just get a kick out of it. But my chat with Michael Loftus was a real hoot. One of my favorite conversations in quite some time. And I hope you feel the same way. Michael's a stand-up comedian. He's also a writer on shows like Kevin Can Wait and Anger Management. And he's the power behind the Loftus Party YouTube channel. If you haven't seen that, check it out. Very funny, very smart stuff. 
Michael's hitting the road right now with the Deplorables Tour, featuring the great Steve McGrew, I hit cast alum, by the way, and Terrence K. Williams. Conservative comedy? Who'd have thunk it? I bet you it's going to be a huge hit. You can find out more about the tour, which is just getting started, gaining steam, and getting some more outlets on Twitter, at Deplorables Tour. Here's my chat with a very funny Michael Loftus. Well, thank you, Michael, for joining the show. You know, I think about 10 years ago, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, we wouldn't have needed a Deplorables comedy tour. Now it's like, we need it. We, we have to have it. We need a break. What happened? Why did we go from A to B? What, what, what happened in our culture to kind of bring us to this point? I think it's weird. I think it, it was like a slow and steady... Um, the left, for lack of a better word, the the left kind of like as they took over more and more power in Hollywood and more and more power in the media, uh, anyone who didn't agree with them just felt more and more uh, ostracized and, and out in the cold. I mean, it's, it really is a small group of elites telling everyone else in the country, you're not cool. And it just I think it reached kind of a tipping point uh, when when Donald Trump started. Uh, and right now, you, you've got to go out of your way to find someone who who leans to the right. I was just at Politicon in, in Los Angeles, and uh, it's it's very lonely being <laughs> like one of a handful of comedians that actually leans to the right. And uh, we just figured somebody's got to, you know, stand up. And be counted. I know so many. I know so many great comedians. I'm not going to list them here, but you've seen them on TV. Mm. You've seen them in movies. You enjoy their Netflix specials. They just don't have the confidence yet to to stand up and be counted. I think so. Someone has to uh, start doing it mm-hmm. and 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 not have the sky fall. You, you know, for yeah. everyone to understand. Because I tell you what, man. And this is. Uh, I guess I'm name dropping a little bit here, but like. I don't agree with Sally Cohn on much of anything, <laughs> on much of anything, but she's a very, very fun person to hang out with. So I go and I go into, I've known Sally for like two years now. I go into Politicon into like the green room. Sally Cohn runs over, Michael gives <laughs> me a huge hug. I hug, you know, Hey, it's good to see you. Blah, blah. I turn around and Coulter, Michael. Oh, and it's, that's how, like, listen, we can disagree. Nobody is, nobody is evil. Nobody's uh, really a Nazi. We can disagree about stuff. And uh, I think we're all just going to be fine. Yeah. And it's something we've, we've missed in the culture. And I, I almost think that part of it is the media image of where we are today, but part of it is true. I mean, there are people, I mean, I have friends on Facebook who I'm very close to and, they're, they're, <laughs> what they say on social media scares me. I mean, it's, it's vicious, it's angry, and it's also things that I don't think they would say in public, but they, no. just, they do feel emboldened when they're, when they're on a, an outlet like Facebook or Twitter. Well, there's, an, there's another thing happening simultaneously. Uh, uh, you, you have clickbait. You have the big angry headline is always going to get the is always going to get the clicks. So it's it's really bizarre in in my opinion to watch these like perfectly rational Hollywood types do insanely irrational things and and I think it's because they're insecure and they want people to like them. And right now it's very hip uh in a, in a lot of Hollywood circles, ooh look how much I hate the president. <laughs> look how much I hate him. 
you know, pat me, pat me on the back. I, I did a, I did a horrible thing to Mike Pence. And it's just, everyone has to remember that there's a reason, uh, that, that people become actors for the most part, they're incredibly insecure people and they want to be liked. And when, uh, when the media is running these, you know, big clickbaity headlines, it's the end of the world. It's the end of the world. Donald Trump's the worst. And then an actor jumps on, Hey, look at me. I hate him too. Then you find, then that trickles down to friends of ours. You know, that like, ooh, I'm going to be cool and I'm going to say how much I hate him. Look how cool I am. I threw Mitch McConnell's food out out of the <laughs> restaurant. It's it's and that's where, you know, not to be, uh, you know, too much of a wet blanket. But but now as well, like, I, I cannot believe the Democrats aren't tapping the brakes. I cannot believe that that Nancy Pelosi isn't getting her party in order and saying, hey, stop with the whole confrontation thing. So with someone and this is not hyperbole, someone's really going to get hurt. A lot of people have been hurt already. I don't want more, I don't want someone to die. Yeah, I kept waiting for an adult in the room to say, hey, stop. Or even maybe President Obama, you know, he he's always got the limelight if he chooses. He could come out and, and he could, you know, he could do whatever he needs to do to promote the Democrats running for office and, and push toward Election Day. But He's got to say, listen, guys and gals, this is wrong. We have to fight with ideas, not with words and not with, you know, pushing people out of restaurants. But it hasn't happened yet. You mentioned no. Politicon. I was kind of curious, any any kind of takeaways? I mean, you've been at the event before, but what what did this year's event did it teach you anything? Any sort of observations? Is it, I mean, it's sort of a rare peek behind the scenes at sort of the entertainment political confluence. But what, what was your what's your takeaway? Okay. First of all, it's a boatload of fun. Okay. It's 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 a boatload of fun, and second of all, it's kind of a shot in the arm, and it gives you hope for the country because you do see, like, hey, there's the MSNBC people, and they're not starting fistfights with Tucker Carlson, and there's, you know, uh, people people can get along and disagree. So that's the good news. Uh, the bad news is, uh, the left is angrier than you could have possibly imagined. They are they are just chomping at the bit. They are so, so very angry. It is. Uh, and then and 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 the right, uh, we, we are being portrayed as just pure evil, just pure evil. And it's guilt by association. I was uh, I was in the, a, a debate. It was it was Liz Wheeler and myself and on the right. And then there was that uh, the, the dude I always say his name wrong. Uh, from the Young Turks, the guy who started the Young Turks, Sank Sank Unker, yeah, uh, him and another and another this this wonderful I thought she was very nice this Latina comedian and boy they just came out of the gate with Donald Trump is a racist and if you support him you're a racist and the and the Republican Party is the party of racists and then it was just and and it was just like throwing meat to hungry lions the audience it was an overflow crowd they were just eating it up. And, uh, like, seriously, like Ben Shapiro says, facts don't care about your feelings. Well, uh, their feelings did not care about our facts. <laughs> it, it was fun, but man, they were, they were, ooh, they were ready to go. Yeah. Now you have a YouTube channel, you work in Hollywood, you do stand up comedy, you're everywhere. Is that kind of what you need to do as a comedian in 2018, where you just kind of have to be everywhere to kind of get the brand out or, or is it just something that you genuinely love want to be in different kind of platforms what's your kind of i guess from a pragmatic of you what's your what's your approach there 
it's it's weird. Like with social media and with YouTube channels, I always just kind of did it because you kind of had to do it. But I just, I you know, I would every once in a while I'd put, oh, here's a clip of me doing stand-up. Or, mm-hmm. oh, here's a clip from my one-hour Comedy Central special. And then about a year ago, uh, I was bitten by the bug. And I'm completely, I'll admit it, I'm completely addicted to YouTube. Uh, it's it's... It's got its faults, but it's it's a wonderful platform. I really dig it, and and I think it is like as an insurance policy. You know, I'm mm. I'm terrified of this. I'm terrified of if you disappear from Twitter and Facebook, you cease to exist. <laughs> uh, so you you know you've got it. You you have to have a million insurance policies, and and so I really started paying attention to the YouTube channel, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have my own website, and so now it's worked out where I've got. You know, the Loftus Party, uh, the loftusparty.com, the Loftus Party YouTube channel. And so in a weird way, it's this like this cross platform thing. But but YouTube is addictive as all get out. It is. It's fantastic. We're talking with Michael Loftus, comedian, veteran sitcom writer and part of the Deplorables comedy tour with Steve McGrew and Terrence Williams. You know, I, I read a little bit about your kind of political awakening, maybe the political meets comedy, and how Ronald Reagan played a part in that. I wonder if you can maybe just quickly share that story and how you kind of embrace being more political on stage, because it wasn't wasn't your forte in the beginning. Uh, not really. It was uh, it was too funny. It's like I, I, I reached these points where I just have – I've had enough. You know, <laughs> like I was – I was uh, remember Network the first S- yes, <laughs> yeah. Remember the, uh, the the when the Phantom Menace came out, the Star Wars, the Phantom Menace. Sadly, uh, yes. <laughs> I, yeah, me too. I'm a I'm a huge fan, dude. I am a huge fan. I ran into a guy who's uh, plays an X-wing pilot in the new movies. Whatever, different story. So I'm, <laughs> I'm at the Melrose. I'm at the Melrose Improv, and every comic, literally every comic, is talking about how that movie's the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst. And I'm and I'm like, wow. It's like. Are, are they not watching the comic that went on before them? So it was like th- <laughs> three dudes in a row. So I go up and it was kind of an easy, like everybody zigs. So I zag. It's like, it's how, what it's, it's exactly what Steve Martin did. It's like comedians, I, I feel are supposed to do that. If everybody's grabbing a pitchfork, start making fun of the people with pitchforks. So I said, Oh, the Phantom Menace is the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> if it doesn't win all the Oscars. And it was, it was hilarious and it was fun. So, uh, in the spirit of that, you know, and, and and I'm I'm a conservative. I want smaller government. Blah blah blah. I'm on stage one night, and everybody's talking about. Uh, they're just railing on uh, George Bush. They're just railing on the guy, and it's not even jokes. So in the same in the same vein, I'm like George Bush is the best president ever. He is the best president. Thank God. And and the place is f- like dying. It, it's ex- it, the laughter is explosive. And and I'm like, then I start talking about things that I I really feel like the truth was coming out. I tell you, you know who was another good president? Ronald Reagan. I loved it. I liked it. I like it when other countries are worried if our president might be a little crazy. A little crazy, crazy's good for the president. <laughs> and and man, oh man, uh, it was a phenomenal set. And then I won't mention who it was, but you've seen him on TV a whole bunch. Came up to me at the Melrose uh, at at the bar. And he's like, hey, man, are you are you doing a uh, and he's like, oh, he's, he's all like hunched over and whispering. Hey, man, are you doing a uh, are you doing a character? Or are you really a uh, Republican? And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm really a Republican. He goes, me too. But I don't have the balls to say it. And I'm like, OK, there you go. So that was years ago. Yeah. Uh, and it's just gotten it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. 
and and, and I just haven't changed. <laughs> what, what's funny about that story is that you would think a comedian, the big thing about comedy, or one of the big elements, is surprise. You've got to catch people off guard, and that's 90% of the joke sometimes. It, it's it's kind of just, I mean, I know that, and I'm not a comedian. And yet when you see like a, a, a Colbert headline or a, a monologue with Jimmy Kimmel, you know exactly the, the, the neighborhood of the joke, if not the, the specific punchline. Yes. I, I'm surprised that there's there's still a hunger for that. I know, I know it's, you know, the nation is mourning and, and people are still angry. But by golly, when when will that burn itself out where, you know, I may like Colbert, I may like his views, but what else you got? I mean, I just feel like we're not even at that satiation place, but I, I'd have to think it comes soon. I, I don't know. If you would have told me, if you would have told me in 2016 that uh, Trump would win and there would be no honeymoon and it would just be solid protests and solid anger and solid rage for two straight years, that is only – that's only the increase it, – it's only getting more and more. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have believed you. But this is the first uh, president, I think, in, in the history of our nation legitimately there there's no honeymoon there, there was no like okay here comes the new guy it has been solid uh, hatred of him and protests and it's getting worse and i can't believe it and and it's you can talk to what like rational people like rational people and go okay try to divorce your feelings from this try to but let's just look at statistically what's going on with the country like where where has it gone off the rails and it's all – it all comes back to they don't like the way he says it, mm-hmm. and that is all it is. That is all it is, and and, and they're just this this giant ball of rage. And it's like you know when you, you know your your girlfriend is mad at you and she and you think she's acting crazy, but the last thing you want to do is say, hey, let's not go crazy. <laughs> you like, I'll show you crazy. That's how it is with the left right now. You keep waiting. You think, okay, they'll burn themselves out. They'll burn themselves out. But whenever, like, whenever the the, the angry women get tired, they tap out, and then you know the the Latinos tap in, and then they start going. And when they get tired, okay, here comes the L, the the gay community, and like, it's like they're just taking turns, and it never stops. And if you turn on MSNBC. Morning Joe, I love watching Morning Joe just for the daily freak out of it all. Like I, I, I literally, there's my heart goes out to my friends on the left who watch Morning Joe and and believe it. I mean, it's got to be exhausting. Every day is the end of the world. Every day is the end of the world. And, and I just don't know how they sleep. Yeah, <laughs> they got to be so tired. <laughs> you talked before about sort of how certain comedians may be right of center, but they're not willing to kind of be open about it. You are. You've worked in Hollywood. You were working in Hollywood. You're on uh, the Anger Management Show, and Kevin can wait. What What's been your secret to success? Where you're able to kind of be who you are, embrace who you are, do it on stage, not hide it, and yet still work successfully within the industry. What is there something that other people can learn from you about? How you navigate that? It's to me, it's it's a no brainer, and I feel like I'm giving away the secret sauce here. Uh, but it's worth it's worth noting. Like I'm not political at work. 
I'm there to write. Listen, when I would clock in uh, for anger management with Charlie Sheen, I'm not I'm not there to convert Charlie Sheen to the Republican Party. I'm there to write the the best jokes that that's going to make him look good and and you know, make the cast look good, make the best show. But the only time I've ever remotely gotten a little bit political. Uh, there was a there was a joke on the George Lopez show somebody pitched. It was a pretty funny joke, but very in, like um, Bible thumpers were mm. the the butt of the joke. You know, like oh, you know, some I forget what it was, something something Jesus freak, blah blah blah. And uh, I'm like, it, it seemed well, it's kind of boring, you know, because it's like those are the only people you're allowed to make fun of politically now. And uh, I, I'm like, okay, well, let's let's do it uh, let's do it about Muhammad. <laughs> and everybody's like yikes and i'm like well there you go you know so yeah <laughs> but well conversely I, do you I made find that point. happen on the set when you're behind the scenes when you're working you're in the writer's room does it get political from other people in the space or and why oh, you just yeah. kind of stay quiet yep and how does yep. that manifest itself well it's there was uh <laughs> once again this was man, man, there. There was uh, a buddy of mine who's now writing on uh, Roseanne and on the Connors. He came into work one day. He's a great dude. He's a great dude. I don't. I don't and he said something about uh, what the Republicans done. Uh, the, the Republicans had it was like the Ebola crisis, and 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 supposedly he said the Republicans had just cut the funding for the Centers for Disease Control. We just had gutted it by blah blah blah. And I go actually. Uh, you know, he, and he was just like making conversation, but it was mm -hmm. like this righteous anger. And I'm like, actually, no, they just cut the, the increase to it. Obama got all the money he wanted for, uh, the CDC and more. He just didn't get a 10% increase. He got like a 5% increase. And he looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and then he had, he had the writer's assistant Google it. And so they, <laughs> so they Googled it and I was right. And he's like, well, you know what? It's still, you know, he was still pissed off about it. Yeah. But still with the greatest comeback. I, yeah, I, yeah. 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 But still, I was kind of curious. You worked with Charlie Sheen for a while and we know, I feel like we all know about Charlie Sheen just from the headlines. Is there anything about him behind the scenes that you could share either something funny or unexpected or, I mean, he just seems like an, a curious character who is such a, a distinct brand. But, I, you know, you worked with him on, on a professional level. I, I was just kind of curious. Any, any thoughts about him? Uh, I have a very funny Martin Sheen story. Okay. Uh, and I have – Close and enough. I have, I, and I literally have uh, nothing but great things to say about Charlie. Okay. I, I really, really don't. That dude – we were doing a thing that really doesn't exist in Hollywood anymore. It's called a 1090. You would make 10 episodes of a show, of a sitcom, and then you would test them. And if they did well, uh, the network or the production company would buy 90 more episodes. That way you would have 100 episodes in two years, instant syndication, instant moneymaker. <clears throat> so uh, it's a Herculean task. And uh, Charlie and his manager had negotiated a, a huge sum of money, a, a, a king's ransom. And so it was very hard work. And and even if – and very rarely, like Charlie would have been uh, partying, like like drinking. I, I, I can tell you right now, I never saw the, the guy uh, do drugs hmm. ever, ever, ever. And I would go up to his house and we'd hang out and we'd talk about stories and the whole nine. Like – and, and I – I only saw him like drunk like once and that was at a party at his house. So 
but even if like, oh, there's a rumor Charlie had been up all night partying, blah, 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 blah. We would start filming. He would show up. He's like a savant in terms of memorizing pages. Like he can do six. It's 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 like a, a crazy, like a carnival trick. He can like memorize six pages of dialogue at the drop of a hat. He, he once once you show him where his marks are on set, he knows where he is. He knows where that camera is. He's not going to get in his co-stars light. He's an incredible. There's a reason the guy's been around Hollywood for a long time. Yeah. There's a reason that he was a big star. He's got amazing Comedic timing, uh, just amazing, and I, I, I and, and a generous dude, like insanely generous. I, I, uh, I don't know what's going on. With, I haven't talked to him in, in, in a while. I hope he's okay, uh, but just a, a nicer human being. Uh, I, I would, you'd be hard pressed to find. I, I really enjoy him. That now here's the Martin. Go ahead, here's yeah. the Martin sheet story. So it's the night of the election. I think it's uh, Obama and Romney, right? And so we're we're filming and it becomes obvious that like Romney's not going to he's not going to do it. Right. And so I'm standing outside having a smoke and uh, Martin Sheen is just, you know, Obama's going to win. And Martin is just so happy. He's just so happy. And he looks at me, he sees me and he's just like, we did it. We did it. Like assuming I wanted Obama to win. He's like, we did it. And he comes up and he gives me this big hug and he could just tell from like my, my, <laughs> my reaction. And then he realizes that he looks at me and he goes, he goes, it's going to be okay. <laughs> oh, oh, here's a great story. So, uh, Martin Sheen played Charlie's dad on the show mm-hmm. and we had this, uh, I wrote this bit where Martin is doing an impression of Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. And so between scenes, it was so cool. They were running their lines. Marlon starts, uh, or, or Martin Sheen starts doing Marlon Brando. You know, I saw I saw a bug on the edge of a, of a razor blade. And then Charlie cu- pops out out of nowhere, and Charlie starts doing Martin's line oh from Apocalypse <laughs> Now. So they, and these, and both these guys have the whole scene memorized. They did the entire scene. It was like magic. It was wonderful. That's amazing. And uh, <laughs> I mean, they both grew up in Hollywood that this is their entire existence. And, I, and they had the skills and they've got the muscle memory to get that, get, kind of get that across. But uh, it's bizarre. Like, imagine, like, Charlie would tell these stories of, like, going, being homeschooled in the Philippines mm-hmm. while they were do like, like, dad goes off to work for yeah. Apocalypse Now and he's, like, in a hut in the jungle. Like, it was a weird childhood, man. Yeah. You go from there to, to Beverly Hills and back and... I think that they had like their carpool, the 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 the, char, the Sheen family carpool going to going to high school uh, was just insane. You had Spicoli, who's that actor, <laughs> the big Sean Venezuelan. Penn? Sean Penn was in the carpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, my my brain is just blanking. But who's who's the other uh, guy who was going to play Superman and then he didn't? Oh, Nicholas Cage. Uh, Nick Cage. It's just like, can you imagine that carpool? <laughs> Nick Cage. Oh, well. Uh, good times. <laughs> uh, Michael, before I let you go, I one last question. You know, you're a comedian. You tour the country. You're on different TV shows working on them. I kind of think that comedians often have a kind of a unique lens on America, on the culture at large. And, and I don't even mean politically speaking, but through the years now, what, what have you kind of learned about, the, I guess, your fellow Americans that, that doesn't get enough attention or is that maybe something remarkable about us or what, what's, what's your take on people just given the work you do? 
this is going to sound uh, like hacky, uh-huh. but like I, people are inherently good. It, it is from from coast to coast. People are inherently good. They want the best for themselves, and they are they they're always ready to help out their neighbor. I'm always struck at like how people are good. This this really is the best country and I, there's no like big crazy insight but it's like like that program uh that mike rowe had like dirty jobs there's there's a person that has to clean out the sewer and that's a, that's a good dude yeah you know and it, he'd be he, he's fun to hang out with at the bar some of the funniest people some of the most talented people you'll you'll ever meet are just doing like ordinary things like like unsung heroes but man it's it's the same this this country over like I, the Amer- America is definitely the best country on the face of the planet. Hmm. I can tell you that. And our people are the best, too. You I'm know, sorry. I, I don't care. One of my favorite comedies was Borat. I think in a way Borat played off of that and, and the niceness and the decency and the even when yes. pushed into our out of our comfort zones. We just were so we were nice to a fault, and it was almost mockable how we would kind of roll with the punches. And I, I think he made great hay of it. But I think that was a kind of an odd takeaway from that movie, like just how decent we are in the face of this ridiculous clownish man. <laughs> and he not, did. Yeah. He did. There was a scene from his movie where he's uh, he does he's doing the anti-Jewish song at the rodeo, <laughs> right? The cloven the, the, well? the horns. Is that yeah, something like that. <laughs> and it's like it to me. It was like a train wreck. And I felt bad for the people who – you've got the you got the one side who's like, look at them. Country people are racist. Country people are racist. Look at them. They're eager to sing along. And I'm like, no. Their hearts are so big. They're watching – they think it's a guy from another country who's epically failing <laughs> in front of their face. So they want to help him. Yeah. So like, oh, I, you know what? I don't believe this. I don't think it's real. But ah, I don't want that poor son of a bitch to fail. So they helped him out, and then they were <laughs> smacked down for their generosity and called racist. It was the that that was the worst. Yeah, <laughs> that a, was the worst. That's a great example. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining the Hitcast today. Please visit Deplorables Show on Twitter for all the latest news about the tour, and uh, that seems like it's going very strong. And I, I all I see on online is people clamoring to check it out. Follow Michael's YouTube channel, The Loftus Party, and also theloftusparty.com for more information. Michael, I really enjoyed this, and uh, I really want to get you on the show again to, uh, down the road. Let's, let's do it, man. All right. Thanks. Well, thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out hollywoodandtoto.com for both the show notes and, of course, the latest entertainment news. Please follow me at Twitter at Hollywood and Toto. And we'd love it if you leave a podcast review over at iTunes. See you next week. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. 
Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department.